Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me on this Tuesday, July 21st edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for the next 30 to 35 minutes or so as we chat with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We'll talk golf with the 3M Open. We'll talk NASCAR at Kansas Speedway for the Superstart Batteries 400 on Thursday night. Then we'll take a look at the Western Conference qualifying round series for the NHL playoffs, that starts up here. I believe it's August 1st is when the playoffs officially start. Got some preseason-type games coming up next week. Got the round robin and all that kind of thing going on. So lots of stuff for us to start talking about here in the NHL market as well. Over at bangthebook.com, got a preview up for the 3M Open, along with this week's value plays from a daily fantasy standpoint. NASCAR preview up this morning. I'm working on some MLB Futures stuff as opening day coming up here on Thursday, we'll be doing more with the NHL, with the NBA, and all the other stuff going on here in the near future as well. Finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio, presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook, BTB, and the number 200 is that promo code, 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook, 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. One guest on the program here today, that is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, Adam. How's it shaking, pal? Doing well, buddy. Appreciate your time as always here. Glad we got this one going off. We'll knock on wood here. Going off without a hitch so far. We had some internet issues last week, so apologies to our listeners for that. But we are back on the air here this week. Talk about the 3M Open, Brian, up at TPC Twin Cities in Blaine, Minnesota, Matthew Wolf, your reigning champ, he's 25 to 1. Dustin Johnson, who shot 80 in both rounds last week at Mirfield Village, your 9 to 1 favorite. Brooks Kepka, 12 to 1. Tony Finau, who had an awful weekend in Dublin last week, 14 to 1. The return of Tommy Fleetwood here at 16 to 1. Not exactly the same field that we had last week for the Memorial. No, and there was carnage at Mirfield Village. Hats off to Jack Nicholas. That was awesome. It was set up like a U.S. Open. Only, only Rom, uh, he was Palmer was good, but I mean Rom really just dominated the course. But I, I love that that you know make these guys work. And this will be back to a twenty-four, twenty-five under par. This will be a birdie machine, flag hunting kind of tournament. You look at the favorites. Uh, Dustin Johnson is the most deserving. Uh, I think, you know, from a form perspective, although that they, he got carved apart too at Muirfield Village. And it, it's going to be such a major adjustment, you know, coming out of, out of that kind of event to this to just start flag hunting again. But of the favorites, Johnson's in best form. Kepka had another MRI in his knee. Finau uh, had his heart ripped out of his chest. I love Fleetwood, but he's coming off a layoff. Paul Casey, 22 to 1. Eh, I, you know, but Matthew Wolf, defending champ, 25 to 1. He's been in good form, so Wolf certainly merits consideration. But I, I think absolutely this is a tournament you go prize hunting. I've got like three, four guys I'm taking a look at. But the, of the favorites, I mean, you'd have to say DJ. When as you look at the course profile here, this is only the second year of this tournament. So for those that like course history, course form, stuff like that, we don't really have any. We have last year, and that's pretty much it. Par 72, around 7,100 yards, so... Not a particularly long course. They did say they want to make it a little bit tougher than it was last year. So maybe some thicker rough, something like that. 
This is a tree-lined course, lots of hills, undulations, the lie of the ball. It's going to be below your feet. It's going to be above your feet. That's really going to be the biggest issue here for the players this week. There is water, but last year, only five of the 18 holes played above par on average. So we're going to see eagle putts. We're going to see flag hunting and birdies, like you said. So you're going to have to really post a low number here this week to really make some noise. And, you know, as you kind of look at this one, what's interesting to me, and, and we talk about this a lot with different fields, is that guys like Lucas Glover or Harris English or Doc Redman that are in that 30, 35, 45 type of range, these are guys that have been 70 or 80 to one in previous events with stronger fields. So that's an adjustment we have to make here to this tournament if you do want to go price hunting a little bit. Yeah, and you know, in, in that range, I, I would just say we, we don't have a lot to go on on this course other than Wolf's the defending champ, and he did have a 62 uh, during the course of uh, that tournament last year. The other guy who's in actually very good form and had a 62 on the final round last year uh, would actually be my top pick in here, and that's Lucas Glover. Uh, who's sitting in that 35 to one range? I think Glover. Uh, if you if I wasn't saddling up with Wolf, but I'm going to go with Lucas Glover because he's obviously had some really good experience on this course and his form is really good coming in. Uh, the other guy, you know, I'm taking a look at. I think when you're looking at a lot of these guys, certainly they're guys that say, yeah, his form's good and he can contend. But you know, guys that actually on the list that kick the door down and know how to win. I'm looking at Ryan Moore at 60 to one. Uh, this is a guy that knows how to win. And in, in a depleted field like this, I, I think Ryan Moore is deserving of a long, hard look. I like Lucas Glover too. I mean, he's a guy I've talked about a few different times here lately at some bigger numbers. He's played very well in the strokes gained approach department. That's another key statistic, a key metric here for TPC twin cities. So I understand why he's there at 30-1. to 1. I think that's a pretty good look. Eric Van Ruyen's a guy I like this week as well. He's in that 35-40-1 to 40 to 1 range, playing well on approach. Again, that's a very important metric. He was third last week in strokes gained approach at the Memorial. Also, we talked about trying to look for some of those local angles. He played his college golf at the University of Minnesota. So this is a course that he should know, obviously should have a lot more experience than the other guys who just played here for the first time last year. So I like Van Ruyen at 35 to 1 or 40 to 1 out there. And one other guy in that sort of type of range at 55 to 1, Henrik Norlander. He's a guy doing very well in the strokes gained approach department, coming off of a top 10 last week at the Memorial, played very very well there. Top 20 in strokes gained approach last week, second in strokes gained putting. He's 55 to 1, made four straight cuts, two top 15 finishes. That's a guy I like this week as well. Yeah, I think another guy maybe you could take a peek at that uh, flies under the radar uh, that's playing pretty well too is Sepp Straka. Um, but this, I think this is that kind of tournament. And honestly, in this type of tournament, I mean, something outlandish can happen. I mean, you know, clearly, again, you know, when you say the cream rises to the top, we sit there saying that there are chinks in the armor on virtually all the favorites coming in here. Uh, I'll just, I'm going to go back to uh, Colonial, and he, he never followed up on it. But a guy like Jason Kokrak at 110 to 1, I think, is is worth a look. I mean, he, he hits at a country mile. If he's playing from the short grass, 
yeah, he's an in and outer. You know, it's like he shows up every fourth or fifth week. I, it, consistency's been his problem. But if if he gets it going, he can keep it going. So I would take a look at a, a guy like Jason Kokrak. But to me, Glover's the top pick. But I just I, – and I, I played Fratelli last week, and he did play very well. He was one of the better players on the weekend at Memorial. Uh, I'm just getting tired of burning money on the guy uh, at 80-1. to 1. So I'll probably regret it if I get off and he'll probably win. But, boy, I, I just – I look at the list, and I just I just keep circling back to a guy like Ryan Moore who seems to win a tournament every couple of years. And this is the kind of tournament he wins. He wins in Vegas, you know, with the – in a tournament where the winning score is going to be 23, 24, 25 under. Uh, I, I, I just, for whatever reason, my eyes just keep drawing back to Ryan Moore. Looking here, I believe Kokrak withdrew from this event. He only played the one round last week at Memorial. I think he shot 79 or something like that. Wound up withdrawing from that one. So I, I don't think Kokrak's going to be out there this week. But All right. you, you mentioned you mentioned a guy like Moore. I mean, Moore and Kokrak, they're, they're kind of, I mean, they're different players, but it's kind of the same strategy there that you just talked about where those are guys that just, you know, play solidly well, rack up top 25, stuff like that, then go out there, put it all together, win a tournament every so often. This is, like you said, probably one of those types of tournaments that guys may be looking to do that. And one of the reasons why we've got a pretty slim field here, there's a WGC event next week, the FedEx St. Jude Invitational. I believe that's what, TPC Southwind uh, in Tennessee. So that's why we've got a little bit of a weaker field here this week. We'll have a better field to talk about for it's, it's next fu- week. Yeah, it's funny uh, yeah, on the co-crack front because another guy that was was entered and odds were up on him yesterday was Brendan Todd at fifty to one, and uh, it, on, on the list now he's not there. In Kokrak was another guy that was entered yesterday, and uh, I just mentioned, and now I'm scrolling down. I had to scroll way down to find him, and and, and sure enough, he's not there. So listen. There was carnage at Muirfield Village. There were some guys that just said, look, I'm taking a timeout. Timeout and start over. Yeah, and, and you really can't blame them for that, given how tough that course actually played last week. I do have one pretty long shot play here. And in fact, he was 175 to 1 uh, yesterday. I think the price has come down a little bit. But Denny McCarthy, you know, one of the things that you look at is you kind of try to compare this course here at TPC Twin Cities with some of the other courses that are out there. And datagolf.com does a phenomenal job of this in terms of looking at which strokes gained metrics matter the most at certain courses. Well, this course with the one year of data that we have matches up really well with TPC River Highlands, which is where the Travelers was a few weeks ago. McCarthy shot a 67 in the first round, then popped a positive COVID test, had to leave the event, He hasn't played well the last couple of weeks, but he did make the cut last week at the Memorial. But another one is Sea Island, the RSM Classic. He's played pretty well there. He was top 10 there last year. And finally, another course that correlates pretty well to this one is Innisbrook, where the Valspar Championship is. McCarthy, a top 10 there last year. So McCarthy maybe kind of fits the course profile a little bit here at one of those balloon triple-digit numbers at 175-1. to yeah, I'm always looking for you know I like I like to have a balloon number going, and because you know it can happen, especially in a tournament like this. Okay, so in that vein, to find someone in the range of a guy, I, I want to have a play on that I think can contend at the overlaid price. There's there's a couple, uh, Charlie Hoffman at eighty to one, 
if Charlie Hoffman was going to win, this would be the kind of event a Charlie Hoffman could win. And intrigued by a guy, how about Burnt Wiesberger at 100-1? to I mean, there's another guy that's pretty much committed to playing on the PGA Tour now that had a boatload of European tour success. Uh, you know, that's a that's a big number on a pretty good golfer. But anyway, we'll see how – I think as we usually do, you know, I mean, I, I'm in on, on Glover and Moore – Find a bomb I want to play, and then watch the first two days and bet going into moving day. Yeah, absolutely, I think it's a very, very good strategy here, especially because again, we're talking about a lot of players that you know are either at shorter prices this week, or you know some guys that may have a chance in the field. But all of these guys very inconsistent, and and ultimately that's the difference. I mean, I know there's inconsistency with every player, but the best of the best are at their best more often than these other guys are. So. If they're able to put it together and you start seeing some signs Thursday or Friday, something like that, you kind of play them heading into the weekend and you may wind up sitting on a pretty good number there with those guys. We transition over to the NASCAR side of things here to Kansas Speedway for the Superstart Batteries 400 presented by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Of course, last week, the O'Reilly Auto Parts 500, which we weren't able to talk about on the show with those internet issues, but... I don't think either one of us would have picked Austin Dillon anyway. No, that was pretty cool at the end. And boy, my, my heart went out to them. I mean, I've had so many bad beats uh, with the late restarts. And I'm sitting there watching uh, Austin Dillon and teammate uh, Red. If Reddick would have won, I'd have vomited because I actually played Reddick a couple of times. This kid's going to win a lot of races in, in NASCAR eventually. Cole Custer was the guy the rookie that actually won earlier this year. It wouldn't shock me if Reddick won a race at some point this year. But for those two teammates to survive two late restarts and, and run one two was a pretty remarkable thing. Actually it's kind of refreshing to see that, you know, uh, on occasion it, it had been it'd been a match race between Harvick and Hamlin. That may end up being the case again this week. Harvick's great here. Hamlin's actually the defending champ here. Uh we, we could be down to a a match race between these two late. You know, the one thing is you'll get a run for your money every week, but something always seems to happen. But Ryan Blaney's car is bad fast. Yeah, you look at Tyler Reddick. He's got one start here at Kansas at the Cup Series level, finished ninth. He's 33-1 to here this week. And maybe we've kind of reached the silly season a little bit with NASCAR, with Cole Custer, uh, with Austin Dillon, Eric Almirola. I mean, again, you know, Ford has phenomenal speed this year. They've got the top four spots right now in the point standings, and Amirola sits eighth. They've just got exceptional speed right now. And, you know, Amirola, a guy that, you know, going into this year, he's in that 25 to 30 to 1 range week in and week out. Here he's 12 to 1, priced just above that big gap. You've got about eight or nine drivers that are, you know, plus 400 to plus 1200. Then a huge gap to plus 2,500 with guys like Alex Bowman, Kurt Busch, guys of that sort. So Harvick is your 4-1 to one favorite. Elliott and Truex, your co-second favorites at 6-1. to one. Hamlin, Bush, your co-fourth favorites at 650. Then the Penske guys, Keslowski, Blaney, Logano, 8-1, to 10-1 in that range. But like you said, though, mile and a half track here, nothing all that special about it. This could wind up just being pick a favorite and hope they win. Honestly, I, I don't see any reason why it's not Harvick and Hamlet again to the point where, you know, again, when you get a race like this, 
you, you go into the group matchups, you know, and, and you you pick someone mid pack, uh, you know, to just well, like a guy like Harvick. If you go in one of the group matchups and he's probably plus a dollar eighty or plus two dollars to beat, he'd probably be going against Elliot Hamlin and Kyle Busch. And the bottom line is he's only got to beat those three guys for him to win the races. He's three to one. If you're playing Harvick, you're probably safer to play just play the group matchup uh, because you know bad things can befall the other guys. You only have to beat three guys. You know, you talk about losing money week after week on guys on the golf side, where you know you keep playing them, you keep thinking there's value, and and all of a sudden they just can't find a way to get through. Eric Jones is becoming that guy for me in NASCAR. He's twenty-eight to one this week. His last four starts here at Kansas. All top seven finishes, so he's run very well. You know, he was pretty dominant at times in the Xfinity Series before, you know, getting the promotion up to the Cup Series. I I don't know what it is. I know this guy can be a little bit reckless, a little bit over-aggressive. Maybe he doesn't pick his spots appropriately, but there are these tracks, particularly the one-and-a-half-mile tracks, where he's shown speed in the past, and he just, for whatever reason can't get over that hump i feel like i'm probably going to blow a little bit of pizza money on him again this week though i know how many how many times though do you sit there and go you know he's running 13th and they go oh you know with with 15 laps to go and they oh eric jones fastest lap fastest car on the track you know but he's nowhere to have a chance i will say this of the short prices for me i know you're kind of looking the harvick hamlin route i like chase elliott a little bit here at six to one and the thing about Elliott is that he's had these low prices all year long, and he's been a threat. He had that period where he was a threat every week, but he only has the one win. And I'm a little bit worried about that, the fact that, again, he's another guy that just can't really get fully over that hump. But he's got eight starts here at Kansas Speedway, top fives in four of them. And this is, when you look at past results here, Things are very spread out. You got a few drivers that have three wins, a handful that have two, but their finishes are kind of all over the map overall. Elliott's been pretty consistent here to this point. So he's probably the favorite I like this week among those shorter prices. But like I said, I'll burn some money on Eric Jones this week again, too. I don't blame you. Uh, you, you know, again, I think you you could kind of lump although Elliot's one I think you Elliot and Blaney are the same guy you know they're, they're there every week and something just seems to go wrong and honestly I think Elliot's the better driver I think Blaney's had the better car well we do have a week and a half off before the next race that'll be at New Hampshire I believe that's August 2nd on the date for that one and this ends a stretch of 16 races in 67 days for the cup series and they're going to run seven races and I believe it's 27 days or something like that in the month of August. They're going to do back-to-backs at Michigan and Dover. They're going to run the road course at Daytona plus the plate race right at the end of the regular season. So August is going to be very, very busy for these guys. But maybe some of the older drivers with some extra downtime get a second wind heading into August. So I'm definitely looking forward to handicapping that New Hampshire race here with you, Brian. Yeah, and then, you know, they got Daytona, and uh, I believe there's still another Talladega coming up, which is always good fun. All right, so let's transition over to the NHL side of things here. And and again, you know, you look at the NHL, and so far, things seem to be okay. They're kind of starting to finish up training camp, start to head to those hub cities a little bit. And, 
you know, we've got Edmonton and Toronto, the hub cities. You've got games expected to start here uh, on August 1st. So I want to take some time here on today's show to take a look at the Western Conference qualifying round series prices. Obviously, next week we'll talk about the Eastern Conference qualifying round series prices. But let's start with the Blackhawks and the Oilers here, seeing Edmonton at DSI Sportsbook minus 165 to win this series here. And you kind of wonder a little bit about both of these teams. Chicago, very bad in their own end much of the year. Edmonton, you know, they made some transactions, made some moves. They've got a lot of speed. They've got a lot of offensive chemistry. But you wonder how that looks coming off of this extended layoff. Well, I think with any of these series, you know, uh, and, and you'd have to put this caveat on every series, we don't know. We don't know how much they want to be there, uh, what kind of form they look like. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I've, been, I've gone to Golden Knights practices. They look great. Uh, that's great. Uh, but then you got to show up, and then you get up there, and you're in the bubble, and there could be guys that get up there and go, this is nonsense. I don't want to be here. Uh, I think once teams win and they get closer and say, hey, look, we're whatever. Uh, we're 12 wins away from getting our name on a Stanley Cup. Teams are all healthy. Uh, I think the, the hockey will actually end up being terrific. But in the beginning, there's just a lot of unknowns. So I've, of all the first-round series, there are only two I really have an opinion on. Uh, but what I would say I, in the series, there are chinks in the armor for both of these teams. But you've got, you're rolling McDavid and Dreisaitl out there. Edmonton, before the break, was getting finally some good goaltending. But I think what you're looking at here is the odds are pretty good right now. Malcolm Subban could be the goalie for the Blackhawks. So I would just say in game one and maybe throughout the series, let's see how it plays out, I would be looking to play these games over the total. But for the series, I got no opinion. Yeah, I think this is a tough one. And and again, too, you know, you start looking at some of these big favorite roles, and and we'll talk about the Penguins next week at minus 230, but you you sort of wonder here, how level is the playing field with everybody coming off of this extended layoff? You've had some goaltenders that obviously played much better than others throughout the course of the season, but, you know, what does their past form mean now with essentially four and a half months off? So. I think these are these are not only tough to price from an odds making standpoint, but I think they're a little bit tricky to bet on as well. I, and, and again, I mean, you know, you sit here and have a real good. Like I said I've got an opinion on two series, but I could be just completely dead wrong. Again, I don't know what's between the ears of these guys. But um, Chicago, in, in a, and here's the other thing: the shorter the series, favors the dog, and or it, it levels the playing field to a degree, and. Is rolling out a, a healthy Kane and Taves anything you should ever sneeze at? In you know the Kubali kid was getting hot. Uh, you know, I think anything can happen in these things. Is the bottom line. But I would look. I would look this for this to be, uh, you know, in the Chicago defense corps getting long in the tooth. I, I just would be looking stylistically uh, for these games to be really wide open, and I'd be looking for goals. All right, so we move to the Jets and the Flames here. Flames minus 120 favorite in this one. Jets even money on the take back there. And you look at the Jets this year, and and Connor Hellebuck really carried this team for lengthy portions of the regular season. You wonder if he can find that form here again or if the short favorite Flames just go ahead and advance. 
of all the series, this is my best play. This I I love Winnipeg. Um, when they first had the matchups, I do believe uh, the Flames may have been a dollar forty-five, uh, and it got bet down. Bottom line is, I'm getting Hellebuck against Riddick, and I think Maurice is a terrific coach, and the job he did just to have this team within sniffing distance of the playoffs with a defense core that was just a mash unit and devastated from day one. But you're talking Shifley and Wheeler and Liney, and I I know Little might be hurt, but I mean, the weapons they've got up front, they're going to score goals. And and Hellebuck was just spectacular all year long. Uh, I in a short series, again with with question marks for every team that's going to lace them up. This was the one I liked the best. I just think, I I just think Winnipeg gets by Calgary. I think Calgary was had a great year last year. They ran awfully hot and cold this year, and it's looking with each passing day that Johnny Gaudreau's out of there. So. You know, I don't know, is Johnny Goudreau killing himself for an organization that the odds are he's out of there because they're going to go get Taylor Hall? I, I just think there are too many things I'm not thrilled about. I, the one guy, I love him, one of my favorite players in the league, is Kachuk is one of these guys. It wouldn't matter if they were playing on a pond. You know, he'd go out there and lose teeth. He doesn't care. You know, so I know Kachuk's going to show up, but uh, I like the goalie matchup there, and I really like the coach, and I, I think Winnipeg's the side. Well, and that's the interesting thing about a series like this. You know, you, when you sort of look at the advanced metrics here, you can see the impact that Connor Hellebuck had. I mean, you look five on five, and in terms of expected goals against, Winnipeg should have the most allowed in the NHL at five on five. But Hellebuck was just that good during the regular season that you know he was really able to carry this team. And that's sort of the question, you know, is that the great neutralizer where maybe Calgary – Five-on-five from the advanced metrics, Calgary is the better team here, the deserving favorite at minus 120, but that great equalizer could very well be Connor Hellebuck. And and we talk about it all the time with regards to the playoffs in any sport, but especially the NHL, a hot goaltender can carry you. A hot starting pitcher in the MLB playoffs can carry you. A bullpen can be that great equalizer that neutralizes a very good lineup, stuff like that. So, in these smaller sample size formats, if this comes down to, you know, Hellebuck versus Riddich, I mean, yeah, you, you certainly have to like the Jets with that mindset. But again, this will be one of those series where the sharper money, the quant money will come in on Calgary because Winnipeg does look like an overachiever from how Hellebuck played. Yep, no, it's I don't think there's, there's much much more to get into other than it's Hellebuck. The, the play's on Hellebuck, but honestly... I just I look at the firepower that Winnipeg has up front, and if Hell, if Hellebuck's playing good, and the general formula, you know, for success in the playoffs, is is defense and special teams, and if you're saying that Hellebuck can, uh, he can make up the difference on the lack of defense that Winnipeg has, I, I, you know, I, Winnipeg's got plenty of firepower to score enough goals. You know, that's something interesting too. Not to go super far down a rabbit hole, but. We're talking about a lot of guys here in the NHL that are going to have to get back up to speed. I mean, you have to think there are going to be, you know, those stick infraction falls. You got to think there's going to be a lot of hooking, tripping, holding, stuff like that as guys kind of lose their positions, get burned a little bit. Guys maybe won't be as fleet of foot at the outset. That's an excellent point you made there uh, that I sort of expanded on a little bit that 
we could see an influx in power play opportunities here in these qualifying round series to where teams that can take advantage five on four or, you know, five on three will end up with a pretty big leg up if that's what winds up happening with the officiating and the gameplay here. Yeah, I, again, I, we gotta we got to watch and just see how these games are played. I, I think it's just going to be hockey. I, uh, the NHL, by the way, unbelievable. I, I, the, the only reason they're doing this is for money. And it's going to cost them $70 million to put this thing on. So basically what they're telling you is they're just trying to cut their losses. So they're saying they're going to save more than $70 million, finish up their local TV deals, and then whatever sponsorship will come from it uh, with the national networks that they're going to make more than $70 million for putting it on. And it's all about you know cutting the, the massive losses. And if they wanted a revenue stream, now they're talking about that the games are going to be in a five-second delay so they can monitor the audio. What a bunch of morons. The audio is the unique nature of this. There are no fans there, so we get to hear them. All right? Do a pay-per-view thing that you can hear what they're saying down there. Uh, 1999 for the playoffs. And you can hear what they're saying to each other. The referee talking to a goalie after a save. Guys sparring at a face-off. The language will be grisly. All right? But if you're paying for it, you know what you're getting, so you don't have to worry about kids watching it. And But now it, it's going to be so damn annoying. The audio is going to be cutting in and out because the language is going to be ridiculous. I mean, I'm not, not, it's not, I don't want to hear them curse. I want to hear what they're going to be saying to each other. And it's the one unique once-in-a-lifetime opportunity you've got for us to hear this stuff other than some watered-down edited version of a guy. You know, make money on it. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the the rationale behind this is probably that they're afraid of a slur dropping or something like that, you know, just something that, that really shouldn't be said in any context. And then all of a sudden well, they've it, got it, this PR it, disaster. But. I got news for you. It, it won't, I mean, the, the slurs used to be a, a thing out there, real bad, real bad, all right? Those, that ship has sailed. These guys are dumb, but they ain't stupid. Now, the slurs, there's no slur coming out. Nobody does. Because one guy, any any guy from the, that used any kind of slur out there now, it, it gets out and the guy's, like, branded. I mean, it ain't a slur. Uh, the language will just be incredibly horrible. <laughs> it's, just, it's just vulgar language. But these guys are some of the funniest people, and the, and the stuff they say to each other, chirping one another, is downright hilarious. My best friend used to be this, the camera guy between the benches in Buffalo, and now every broadcast has a guy between the bench, an announcer, right? And because those guys, the announcers are down there, or the analysts are down there now, there's not room for the camera guy anymore. But he used to call me every night after the game. You know, he'd break down, tear down. Two hours after the game, he'd go back to his little club he belongs to, go back to the club, get a cold beer, and he'd call me. Oh, my God, Domi said this. Uh, Melon B said that. And, and, I, and we'd sit there and laugh for 45 minutes. He'd tell me the stuff he heard them say to one another. Man, look, how about the, the 20, uh, whatever, 24-7, the thing they do with the boxing stuff? You're behind the scenes. They did that for the Winter Classic, Road to the Winter Classic. And they do it every year. And it's great. I mean, every other word was an F-bomb from Bruce Boudreaux the one year. I mean, the, the, okay, the language is bad. It's salty. 
it's not about the dirty words. It's just about being in the game. It's like you're in the game. Embrace it. Make money on it. No, I mean, I agree. I was just kind of playing devil's advocate there a little bit. But, I, I mean, I totally agree. It's it, it's probably not much worse than kids are saying these days anyway. I mean, I, I know what I was saying as a kid. And I know every other word when I'm not doing this show winds up being some sort of expletive. So, it doesn't bother me. But, you know, uh, I guess. Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't if, know. It's, if it's an image thing, I guess. I don't know. But, I, I, I to me, uh, hockey fans, and not only, and if it worked. And oh, by the way, if that worked during the pandemic, if you did it and it worked, you might be sitting there going, oh, my God, $2.99 for the year, you know, to have a mic'd up version of the hockey games. It could be this massive revenue stream for the next decades. Take a shot at it now. It could. I mean, I'd pay for NHL center ice if it was like that, if it was just unfiltered. You know, chirping make, and chatter. Make it a streaming thing. Make it a, a streaming thing. You can watch games up from your computer on your TV. All right, make it a streaming thing. But people sign for it. They know what they're getting into. No, I agree. I mean, I they just did, you just did the Michael Jordan thing where ESPN, well, Michael Jordan can curse. That's fine. Everybody thought that was the coolest thing since sliced bread. And he's, oh, you know, here's, here's, here's an unedited version. And then they had a water, you know, the, the, the uh, censored version. Of the Michael Jordan thing, and everybody thought that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. What's the NHL worried about? Well, we move on to the next series here: the Coyotes and the Predators. Predators minus a dollar thirty-five, Coyotes plus one fifteen on the take back. And Arizona, pretty inconsistent team throughout the year, but really so was Nashville. I mean, they had the coaching change; they went through a lot of different things. Seems like they've kind of passed the torch here from Pekka Rene to UC Soros. What do you think about this one here with Nashville minus 135? I wouldn't go near this with a telephone pole. I, I the, the only thing I will say, just like the golfer, you bet for a month and you get off him and he wins. Uh, I was all about Nashville the last three years. Something's just a miss there. But I almost it, it, I almost wonder if, you know, there, there's so much there that if this stupid pandemic and a thing like this out of nowhere where they've got no expectations is when a team like Nashville shows up because anybody can win this thing. Anybody. Last series here in the West to hit on Minnesota Wild, Vancouver Canucks, the Canucks minus 130 here in this one. And, you know, all the teams from the Central Division in the Western Conference making the playoffs, Minnesota and Chicago, the two lowest teams from that division. Uh, Vancouver was a team that, you know, spent a little bit of time in first place, actually, in the Pacific Division. They kind of fell off the pace a little bit, ran into some injuries and things like that. Do they sort of circle the wagons here and take care of Minnesota? Don't trust either one of these teams, but the one thing I'm pretty convinced I'm going to do, I was making some uh, nice cake on Minnesota in the middle portions of the season. Minnesota, of all teams, and you never thought of Minnesota this way, uh, Minnesota was kind of a plotty, low-scoring. Kind of, they were a dead-over team. And I think Pedersen is going to go off in this thing. The Swedish guys were skating all summer. Uh, you know, they never shut down uh, the Swedes. I think Pedersen's going to put up a, low, a boatload of points. I, I like these games to go over the total. Who wins it, couldn't tell you. But I like them to be high-scoring games. Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. What do you got going on with those two programs, man? Well, like I said, the Golden Knights at training camp. Honestly, I I, I would say this to you. 
maybe just to, to wrap up what we were talking about, they look good. I mean, they look fast. Um, the passing's been crisp. They, they, you know, you're watching them. I mean, from from day one, they they had their voluntary stuff where they were just getting up to speed and clowning around. But the passing is good. Um, they've got their legs. Uh, I think the one thing that would uh, be of interest here is is watching it, the Stanley Cup playoffs as a battle of attrition. Anyway, the fact that these guys just haven't, you know, got callous to being hit. Uh, watching injuries uh, is going to be a big thing moving forward. But I know I, I, we're talking about the Golden Knights uh, and the NHL return to play Vegas Hockey Island. It's at 1 Pacific. Noon Pacific is Sportsbook Radio with the top sportsbook directors in town. Our buddy Bruce Marshall will be on today. The shows are kshp.com. There's a listen live function there. Uh, shows archived at sportsbookradio.com. And you can get uh, the hockey betting podcast I do with Cam Stewart. And we do horse racing podcasts, and a lot of the good stuff is available on my Twitter at Brian Blessing. Always a treat to chat with Brian Blessing. Again, sportsbookradio.com, kshp.com, at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Brian, I'm glad that uh, this show seemed to have gone off without a technical hitch, so I certainly appreciate that. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, pal. Always a pleasure. There you go. There's Brian Blessing. Once again, sportsbookradio.com, kshp.com, at Brian Blessing on Twitter. I'll be back on Thursday with the betters box opening day for major league baseball. I'll talk about those two games. Talk about some more general thoughts as we get ready here for the 2020 major league baseball season. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again on Thursday.